This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Isn't it funny how Josh thinks he doesn't have an accent, though? It's hilarious. <laughs> like He thinks he doesn't have one, but he really obviously does. Because to be fair, though, compared to people that Josh is around, he doesn't have an accent. That's true. Yeah, exactly. That's there true. are people exactly. around you that I couldn't even understand what they were saying. There is yeah. a Chicago accent, though. I, yeah, I think it? I could do it if I uh, if I give a little twang to my voice. Uh, not really well, but uh, there's yeah, a lot of edge oh, so to it. It's and, like the uh, Kennedy thing? Yeah, it's a little bit of Kennedy. It's a little bit of Ditka. Uh, it's a little extended at the end. I think if I tried, it would be Boston. I don't think I could separate the two. No, yeah, it does Boston, sound. Yeah, it does Boston, sound similar. Boston is lower. Boston is. Uh, it's a little bit more arrogant. <laughs> but yeah, I've I met you, Twang Po. <laughs> Sorry. He's the kind. Of, he's the, he's the kind of voice where the neighborhood I don't want to pull into. Lost, looking for directions. I'm like, oh yeah, man. No. I, yeah. Come on, Neil. When they say you're not from around here, are you? I'm like, shit. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot cope with them. Can't do it. You play with the game. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I am your host, Neil, and with me is Adam, a.k.a. the other FF guy. Was the train ride quiet today, sir? <laughs> no train for me. Only buses. <laughs> oh, buses. Was the bus quiet? <laughs> uh, it's never quiet, never man. Never quiet. No annoying uh, person jamming in. I'm going to sidetrack this whole thing immediately going off on a rant about people who don't put in headphones and listen to music on their cell phones in public transportation. But that's a rant for another day. I'm telling you, man, carry some spare headphones, bro. Just start <laughs> handing them dirty-ass headphones off to people. Like, hey, yo, bum me this last caring. time. Disgusting. All right, all right. We also brought along Josh, a.k.a. J.C. Crocker, the fastest man in all of fantasy football. Who's also been killing it? He's been killing it with his player profile articles as of late. Welcome, Josh. Hey, Mister Fucking fastest fucking analyst ever. This guy is so fast. I want to see him so in the fast. forty. That's right. <laughs> All right. So listen, guys, we're back in this bitch like Tyreek Hill. They couldn't get rid of us. Um, I do want to talk about Tyreek a little bit later, but we can we can talk about him later. First, this whole podcast episode is really about SFB nine. We were all fortunate again to be part of the Scott Fishbowl, so we're going to talk about it. We just finished drafting not too long ago, and we're going to kind of recap our teams, our leagues, what's kind of taking place, just the whole thing, right? So are you guys down for that? We're cool with that. We got everything. We got our ducks in a row. Yeah, let's do all it. Right. Oh, shit. Ready. My ducks are in columns. Let me, <laughs> let me reorganize these. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, this ducks in a row, but it sounds good. 
the Scott Fishbowl, for those who don't know, I mean, if you're listening to this, I just assume you know, but I guess you could have just stumbled upon it. Uh, the Scott Fishbowl is a 1,200-man and woman fantasy football league filled with analysts and fans all chasing an SFB champion crown, which this year is actually a trophy that Josh wants really bad and has like a literal fishbowl on top of it. I've cleared out a spot on the mantle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the consolation prizes moved to the side. This guy wants the fishbowl there. So more importantly, the league is focused on receiving as many donations as possible to Fantasy Cares, which is the site that Scott Fish, you know, has set up to receive donations. Last year, the fantasy community raised $44,500, which is crazy. It's freaking nuts. Um, And it all goes to Toys for Tots. Uh, so that's definitely the most important factor of all this. We're going to basically talk about fantasy football the whole time, but the donation part is really the most important part. So whether you're participating in this league or you're not, and you're just listening and you're not a part of it, I don't know why you didn't get picked, but you didn't, but you can still contribute. You can still be a part of this by donating Adam. They can donate anytime, right, man? Today, tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, fantasy cares as far as the charity goes is year round. Um, so I know Scott's always accepting, donations uh, i mean obviously uh, if you're aware of fantasy cares it really did start as a uh, way to raise money for toys for tots but scott's expanded it and i know he donates to a couple different charities now it's not just all going to toys for tots so um even if you're you know donating in january your money's going to go to good a lot sooner than 11 months down the road to buy kids gifts yeah it's pretty awesome and josh it doesn't matter how much they give right man it matters a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to judge you. I mean, just they slightly. should not be cheap. <laughs> All right. So that's what the Scott Fishbowl is. It's a really big league with a lot of people. And the more important thing behind it is the, the donations of fantasycares.net. So if you want to donate, go there. Josh says your contribution size does matter. Adam says you can do it whenever. You do what you want. But we're going to have Adam explain this season's scoring the settings like what's different about it because every year you know scott is uh very very uh into the fact that he's changing things up every single year and kind of making it more exciting or just different uh so he's changed it up a little bit again and it does heavily impact the way many people draft the way your teams are set up so we're gonna let adam break that down really quick for us yeah so if uh, anyone was familiar with the last scott fishbowl obviously this is the ninth iteration so Uh, Scott has kind of developed the scoring every single year, but this year was probably the most similar to any direct past year in the sense that this season is very similar to the scoring that was around last season. The main addition this year is um, what Scott has dubbed achievement scoring uh, because Scott Fishbowl this year has got a bit of a video game theme to it. So there's this achievement scoring that I'll get into in a moment. Um, But really the Scott Fishbowl's main Uh, components as far as uh, how it works. It's a 12-team league. There's 22 rounds in the draft. Uh, You're going to start 11 players. It's uh, one quarterback, two running back, three wide receiver, a tight end, and three flexes with one super flex. Um, So essentially, it's very 2QB-esque. There's no kickers or defenses. And uh, as far as the scoring goes, that's when things get really interesting. So with the Scott Fishbowl, you have Fractional scoring for um, for uh, quarterback passing, so it's going to be 0.04 points for every one yard. Um, the biggest difference that you're going to see from like a standard um, league as far as the passing scoring goes is how interceptions are impacted in this league. 
Um, so Scott does a really interesting thing with really penalizing turnovers. So every interception is minus four points. If that interception happens to be returned for a touchdown in the other direction, it's an additional minus two points. So every passing touchdown in this league is a six-point passing touchdown, so at least you get that little bonus there. But if your quarterback throws an interception that's returned for a touchdown in the opposite direction, it basically wipes out one of your touchdowns. Um, so with that in mind, the bonus scoring or the achievement scoring that Scott has put in for quarterbacks gives you a five-point milestone achievement for every 300 yards you get. Um, from there, uh, it's essentially uh, for rushing and receiving, pretty similar to um, most like half-point PPR leagues. Uh, it's going to be half-point per reception, but Scott also put in a half-point for any first down rushing or receiving. And then both with rushing and receiving, they also have milestone scoring. So uh, this year, with every 50 yards, either rushing or receiving, you're going to get an additional five-point milestone. So the milestones are really going to have scoring kind of shoot through the roof. Um, it's also a tight end premium. So as opposed to getting only a half point per first down or a half point per reception, that all running backs and wide receivers and you know quarterbacks, if they happen to do that, will get tight ends are actually going to get twice that. So tight ends get one point per first down and one point per reception. So I know it's a mouthful. It's a ton of scoring. I mean, we're probably going to see some ridiculously high scores this year. And really, I mean, that's that's going to make this league just that much more fun and that much more exciting on a weekly basis. I mean, the achievement scoring in itself is going to have scores going through the roof. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned when you started, you're like, yeah, it's not that much different, but it's like, for anyone listening who either didn't participate last year or even, you know, just hearing you say it, it sounds like a lot, you know, to consume. Oh, it is. It's <laughs> so. crazy how much it is because Scott keeps adding things every year. So yeah. now it's gotten to this point where it's gigantic. But if you played last year, really the only difference is the achievement scoring. Everything else is the same as it was last year. Yeah. And I got to admit, like whenever he like last year's scoring, like we took that and like put that in a lot of leagues. Like we just kind of adopted it in a bunch of different leagues. And now who knows? I don't know about this achievement scoring if people are going to adopt that. But last year's scoring was pretty different and unique and people took it ran with it um so knowing the scoring and how this league was set up that adam just broke down we want to know did this you know how much did it affect you know how we approach the draft and if it did you know how did we execute on this josh we'll let you start with this first how much did you know knowing all this scoring and how the, how the teams are set up how much did this affect your approach to the draft and then how well did you execute on that do you feel well uh, so i think first of all it puts even more premium on those uh those most elite running backs, the guys who could really get you three bonuses a week because they could do a hundred yards rushing and 50 passing or, you know, a hundred passing and 50 rushing. So those, that small group of guys is even further ahead than they were to begin with. The guys and I got then, none of, right. That's cool. All right. Okay. And so then <laughs> the, the tight end gets a pretty heavy premium because instead of being, you know, a half point and half point for first down, it's one and one. So, so your top three tight ends were all like in the first two rounds. And then as you go down, it, it I think it, it values, it puts some value into wide receiver threes because they have a better chance of getting to 50 yards receiving over like your, maybe your bottom end RB twos where you know, like Austin Eckler is probably not going to rush for 50 yards in a lot of games. Right. So, so I kind of pushed the the wide receiver threes up a little bit. That I think that was the the biggest adjustment. Okay, and there was nothing that made you like uh, panic or like 
feel like you had to start forcing things? Uh, the tight ends kind of, I, I really wanted to get a tight end in the second round. So I was one Oh five, one Oh five and then two Oh eight. And I really thought that I would get either Kittle or Ertz there. And I didn't. And so after that, I felt, I was, I felt like I was chasing a tight end and it came out. Okay. But that, that did. Sounds like you got you a little know. discouraged out the gate, Josh. Well, you sound a little uh, depressed talking about it right now. I hate to bring it up. Uh, <laughs> I feel like somebody died. No. I just I wanted one of those top three tight ends. I mean, it's fine because I got uh, Julio Jones was only the second wide receiver off the board, and I got him at two oh eight. So I, it's kind of hard to not feel like you're overdrafting a wide receiver, a wide receiver too, but. You know, halfway through the second round is a pretty good spot to take him, I think. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Adam, did you feel that this affected your draft as far as how you approached it? And do you feel like you did well in executing that feeling? Yeah, I mean, essentially, like like Josh said, so coming into it, I kind of took a glance at um, how the scoring would have played out in this type of scoring for last season's stats. And there were a few things that I noticed right away that were really interesting. So um, in the top 10 of last year's scoring, there were two tight ends, which I thought was really interesting. That jumped off the page at me. And then the other thing that jumped off the page at me was that there were five running backs. So the top 10 last year was five running backs, three quarterbacks, and two tight ends, which immediately makes you think, oh, I'm going to devalue wide receiver. But if you then stretch it out from the top 10 and then look at the top 30, a really interesting thing occurs. So in the top 30, there are actually 10 wide receivers last year, and there were only eight running backs. So once you kind of get past those first like elite tier of guys, it kind of evens out a little bit more between the running backs and wide receivers. And I feel like the wide receivers were going really overlooked in a lot of drafts. Um, so coming into this, I kind of knew... I actually was drafting second in my division. So I knew coming into it, I was pretty much locked into one of those first four running backs. And I did end up taking Christian McCaffrey at 102 in my league, uh, which I was really happy with. I actually had him as the 101 in this format. So it felt really great to kind of get a little bit of value, even though you're drafting at 102. Um, But then my expectation was that I was going to be targeting wide receiver unless one of the big three tight ends fell. Um, which I ended up doing. But the thing that blew me away is that I actually went ahead of time and ranked like my top 25 or 30 players in this scoring format. And I noticed pretty dramatically that at player 23, which is where I was sitting at, there was this ridiculous tier drop off where the first 12 running backs, the first six wide receivers, the first three tight ends, and then Patrick Mahomes, they all kind of had their individual tiers for me. And wouldn't you know it, my draft fell exactly based upon how I had my rankings laid out. So I was left having to kind of, I mean, not necessarily reach, but I was, no matter what position I was going to draft at, I was going to be taking the top of my next tier. Um, So I ended up doing that with uh, taking Mike Evans and then T.Y. Hilton on the turn, which felt fine to me at the time but when you're drafting amongst a hundred other drafts and you can see what other people got at the two three turn uh from the 102 and other leagues it it kind of feels gross 
because I saw a lot of people like in Josh's league, for instance, where he's getting Julio as the second wide receiver in the middle of the you know second round, and a lot of the uh, you know leagues were having one or two of the top six wide receivers falling to that uh, two three turn, and uh, you know those guys definitely got really nice value if you were able to capture them at that turn. But getting Evans and Hilton there, I still feel really good for how my league played out. Yeah, I feel like that's like a, a part that goes unnoticed here is like some people are going to get value in their drafts and others aren't. And whether that's just a part of who you're drafting with or, you know, some kind of run or whatever, whatever caused it, you know, some people are just going to get crazy value and you can't really match it. Like they're just going to get it because they got it. And you just got to hope that somewhere along the line you're going to get some sort of value. And I feel like that's, you know, it's, it's hard to really... There's no way that there's just some people are just going to get it. You know what I mean? Like, you just look at certain leagues and you're like, how did that happen? You know what I mean? Like, just certain yeah. guys fell and you did, it didn't make sense. Yeah. So I saw a third round James Conner on a draft. It's just, just crazy stuff happens. Yeah. Wow. And there's, and there's For just perspective, no to... he went eighth overall in my draft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, it's just crazy. There's no way to, no rhyme or reason to it. And I guess that makes it a little more fun or a little more interesting if you want to look at it that way. But so, all right. So, Adam, you said your first, your first pick was who? Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Christian and then McCaffrey. I got Mike Evans and T.Y. Hilton at the turn. Okay. And, Josh, who were your first two? I took David Johnson at 105 and then Julio at 208. Gotcha. Yeah. See, I went heavy wide receivers, man. I just took what came to me. I, I picked, you know, 10th in the, in the first, and so I just went um, with my first pick, Devontae Adams, who I just felt like was the best player at that point. Now, now, seeing as much as you guys have talked about these tight ends, if you were me, would one of you have, or both of you have taken – Kittle or Ertz at that point over Adams? I don't know. I think I like Adams a lot. He's, you know, he's a very, he's a great contender to be wide receiver one. And how can you, how can you really be wrong with that? Yeah, I would have taken Adams there as okay. well. Just, uh, just check. Like with, without a doubt. I mean, there definitely is a huge premium on tight ends in this format, but I feel like Devonta Adams is one of those can't miss wide receivers. I mean, how many years now have we seen Jordy? Nel- or I'm sorry, not Jordy Nelson. Uh, that kind of uh, is a little bit of a faux pas there, but uh, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, wide receiver one, both Adams and Nelson, be able to exceed all expectations year after year. I mean, there were so many years where Jordy Nelson would be drafted as a low-end wide receiver one or a high-end wide receiver two, and he'd finish as the wide receiver one or two overall. And Adams kind of has been the same thing, but now he's getting that respect. And I mean, it's deserved. Uh, Rodgers always props up an elite wide receiver one, and Adams has been a touchdown monster. So yeah, I mean, I, I think he's fantastic. And the only thing is potentially in this format, I might take Julio over somebody like Adams just because of the yardage bonuses being so much more impactful. Um, But it's not like Adams doesn't put up a ton of yards himself. It's just that Julio kind of has a tendency to put up these crazy games from time to time. And the touchdown differential that you're going to get in most formats isn't going to be as impactful in this one. Yeah, I guess I had no problem with you saying that because I also got Julio, so I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> so both. So that of you, was your second round pick. You went Adams and then Julio. Yeah, Adams Julio. Nice. Not bad, not bad. So okay, so so you both, as far as like your first pick, you both went obviously elite running backs. You were picking earlier than me, and then I'm assuming after that for your second and third round picks, because you got your elite back at that point, you were like, all right, best tight end, best wide receiver, or like you know whatever I want at this point. Is that how you guys went, both of you? Yeah, I, I went wide receiver. I didn't take a running back until round eight. So I went Julio, Mike Evans, and then 
snagged quarterback, Kenny Galladay, Christian Kirk. Tried to wait on that RB2 as long as I could. And Adam, how long did you wait for RB2? A long time or you came back? I thought I waited a long time, but I, I mean, I only lasted to the seventh. I don't know. I mean, I was looking at some drafts out there and uh, Denny Carter took zero RB to uh, its insane maximum of, I think he went 13 rounds or 12 rounds before he drafted his first running back and yeah, it was uh, Deion Lewis. So uh, kids, when you do zero running back, like don't take it too far. <laughs> Are you but, saying uh, he took it too far? But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lewis is his RB one. I think yeah. that's too far. Yeah, I think we all could agree. Well, I mean, he doesn't agree, but we agree. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if he could do it differently. Would he do it differently? I think Denny would. I think it would. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I don't want to speak for another person, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, <laughs> and I think that's kind of the beauty of the Scott Fishbowl in a way. Is I mean, it is you know, it's a league for charity, and it is a ton of fun and. You know, you get varying degrees amongst 1,200 people of seriousness. You know, some people take it very serious. Yeah. Other people think it's just for fun. But, I mean, you know, I think anyone would be lying if they said that, you know, they wouldn't be ecstatic if they won the Scott Fishbowl. I yeah. mean, it, it definitely is the ultimate bragging rights league in that regard. But, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I took my second running back in the seventh round. So, I went what I felt like was a decent amount of time. Um, but at that point it just felt like the, uh, the relative cost for running back and wide receiver in my league had shifted. Um, whereas, you know, for instance, when I took Mike Evans, I was getting him as the wide receiver seven off the board. If I had drafted a running back there, it would have been running back 13. However, by the time I drafted James white, who is who I took in the seventh round, I took him as the running back 24 off the board if I would have taken the next wide receiver, it would have been wide receiver 33. So the disparity had already happened in my league where wide receiver drafting had picked up to the point where it felt like running backs had finally become a value again. Yeah, I didn't even take my first running back to like end of the fifth and then begin the sixth. So I waited a little bit too. <laughs> we'll see if that cost me. Uh, but I didn't get Deion Lewis. So Who were those running backs you took? Philip Lindsay and Terry Cohen. On brand. My Very guys, my guys, man. I had to get them. And really, that was me panicking. Like, oh, I don't think they're going to get to me at this point. That's how much I'm in love with them. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. They're going to go. But I got them, luckily. I did lose out on Marlon Mack. I'm not going to lie. I wanted him. But I didn't get him. Marlon Mack. He's, he goes a lot earlier, though, than yeah, those two guys. Yeah, he went. Where did Marlon Mack go on this draft? Let me see really fast. I would guess the third round. Yeah, he went in the third round. So, it is what it is. All right, so uh, but let's get out of the first early early rounds here. Before we leave that, any surprises for you guys in the first round or second round of your drafts? Anything that like kind of like blew you away, shocked you, couldn't believe it's happening? I did not expect one wide receiver to go off the board between you know one hundred one and two hundred eight. What? I, I guess people wanted to get their running backs early. So you said you didn't expect a wide receiver to go. No, I, did, I expected more. I oh, expected you expected more. Be, oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I expected to be picking, like, wide receiver 6, 7, something like that, and it was wide receiver 2. Yeah, it was just running backs and running backs and running backs. Uh-huh. Throw some quarterbacks in there. It was it was crazy. Anything for you, Adam? Any shocks? I mean, really the only, like, real surprising thing for me was that only three quarterbacks went in the first three rounds. I really expected five or six quarterbacks to go in the first three rounds, so I was you know, pleasantly surprised by that. Um, but also, like I said before, I mean, I was really kind of blown away by the toad division and, and 
how similar people were drafting to how I had players ranked. Uh, I did not expect that coming into it. It definitely made things way more difficult. Um, so it definitely made me realize very early on that if there were guys that I wanted to target, that I was going to have to reach for them. And uh, I kind of, I, I, I mean, I definitely did that later on in the draft. Yeah. I wish I would have reached and for some guys too. Last year, I felt like the people in my division were like picking straight off of my board. So I know what you mean with the Toad division. Sounds like you just had a tough group. <laughs> this year, I felt like we were kind of on separate paths for the first eight or nine rounds, and then we all started chasing the same depth. Yeah, that makes sense. Playing it safe early, throwing some wild cards out there later. All right, so I don't think any of us approached quarterback early at all. I don't think any of us did that. Um, so I'm assuming we all drafted quarterbacks. I think it was from here we are all saying here like pretty late, but – um, I know for me, I waited and waited and waited. I just, at some point I couldn't wait anymore last season. Um, even though I made the playoffs and everything, I was dealing with like the worst quarterbacks ever. I think I had like Flacco, Tannehill. It was like horrible. I can't even think of who my other one was. I had to have, I had to, I had to have had somebody else, but it was horrible from the beginning to the end. I, I was down to like no quarterbacks at the end. And I just, I didn't want to get totally in that situation again. I also didn't want to go you know, quarterbacks early. So I ended up getting guys like Trubisky, Derek Carr. Um, and I think I, I think I went for those guys at like, I'm trying to see here really quick where I drafted them. I want to say I started in, I took Carr in the eighth and I took, okay, Trubisky, the end of the sixth, Carr, the eighth. Did you guys go for quarterbacks before me or after me? Before. before. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, quarterback became, kind of the biggest decision I think of the draft for me um I don't know if that was the same for a lot of people um being that this is a super flex and that ultimately because the way the scoring is set up it really does become almost like a two QB league I mean you ultimately you can throw a non-QB in the flex but you know the vast majority of weeks you're going to want to have two QBs starting or else you're going to be at a deficit um so for me like I kind of mentioned before you know, with only three quarterbacks going in the first three rounds, it was uh, becoming a big question on my mind whether or not I was going to take quarterbacks at four or five because that's kind of what I had expected having to do coming coming into the draft. Um, I more or less expected about 12 quarterbacks or so to be off the board by the time it got back to me in round four, um, and it wasn't that at all. Uh, honestly, one of the biggest shocks of our draft room was uh, – J.J. Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback himself, uh, drafting quarterback early, and uh, he took Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback four in the fourth round and uh, kind of blew up our league chat a little bit. Everybody was freaking out, and uh, even J.J. himself had to, like, rush to his own defense, and uh, <laughs> he even talked about it on uh, the Living the Stream podcast about, you know, his reasoning behind that and everything, which is interesting because ultimately, you know, it goes to show when you have expectations coming into a draft, how much those expectations can just fall flat. Cause I definitely expected it to be much more QB heavy early. Um, so with it not having been that uh, in the fourth round, I was sitting there and at the, uh, at the four Oh four, the QB five went off the board, um, which was Russell Wilson, which kind of shocked me um, because I did not have him nearly that high in this format. My QB5, Baker Mayfield, was still on the board. And I was, you know, at that point, 
expecting a QB run to start because JJ had just drafted Aaron Rodgers. He's the late round quarterback. If he's drafting quarterback, everybody's going <laughs> to draft quarterback. And that didn't happen at all. Um, after Russell Wilson, not a single quarterback was drafted in the next five picks. And then directly in front of me, uh, Jennifer Smith over at the Fantasy Authority uh, took Matt Ryan, which I was kind of thrilled with. I mean, Matt Ryan's a phenomenal quarterback. I think it's a great pick at that point. I mean, I think he has a really high floor. Um, but for me, especially in this sort of format with the bonus scoring and everything, I knew that I was just kind of going to be swinging for the fences, uh, basically from pick four on. So that's what I did. And at my turn, I took Baker Mayfield. And then uh, coming back around with the uh, the 502, I took Kyler Murray. So I just, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I decided to just, invest in the Lincoln Riley quarterbacks and just go all in. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I mean, honestly, it was one of the most fun things that I've done in a draft in a long time. Cause I, I know that I'm going to have a lot of fun watching football games with those two as my lead quarterbacks in the Scott fishbowl. So that felt really fun. And then uh, coming around in the sixth was probably my biggest reach of the draft. And that was, I really, really wanted to concentrate on stacking in this sort of format especially with the playoff structure being this sort of all play structure where, you know, you're really trying to score the most total points against a lot of other teams. I think that having that DFS mindset and really utilizing things like stacking can really be a huge advantage. Um, so I kind of reached on Christian Kirk coming back there, but that was how the next couple rounds sort of played out for me. Gotcha. Yeah. Baker and Kyler is, is fun. No question. And that's, like you said, that's what you want to do in this league is have fun with some guys. And those, those are two guys that, you know, you're going to be excited to watch all season long because of it. Um, Josh, did did you go quarterback in that, around that same time or you went way later? No, I went quarterback. I went 408. I went Kyler Murray. And then at 608, I got Dak. This damn and Kyler then... Murray fan club we got here, man. Oh, you, <laughs> should, you should see the rest of Josh's team. If you thought I liked the Cardinals. <laughs> you guys would be sick. You guys would be There's sick. There's a few. So, but then after Dak at 608, I didn't take another quarterback until 1608 with Daniel Jones. So I got hosed a little bit on QB3. I don't feel great about Daniel Jones. But <laughs> he is a high-round pick. Maybe maybe he gets some playing time. We'll see. We will see. We shall see. Yeah, I Neil, got it. you took three QBs as well, right? Yeah, I took Eli last because what happened okay. with me was an interesting situation, and I knew it doing it. Well, I took Trubisky first, and then I wanted Carr, but the way quarterbacks were going, see, like in like the fourth round, Kyler and Baker were like back to back, but then like the fifth, sixth, and seventh, like quarterbacks were going like four or five each round, and I was like, damn, like I gotta get some guys right now. So I took Trubisky, and then coming back, there was only like a couple guys I really liked, but you know, I want Carr, of course. And they happened to have the same bye week. So I was like, damn, I want them both. And I just got to take this and had the same bye week. So I was like, a third quarterback was kind of like necessary at that point. And I, I, I again, I didn't want to reach, though. I'm like, I don't want to go too crazy because I, I, this guy I'm only thinking about really hopefully starting, you know, a week or two, whatever. Um, so I grabbed Eli at some point, which they're on they're on by week six. So if uh, Crocker here, if his Daniel Jones boy starts, hopefully it's after week six. So I don't get screwed because otherwise I'm going to be uh, really – no quarterbacks week six. Uh, I think he should be all right. I, I think Eli so. lasts that long, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. Giants fans tell me that the Giants won't disrespect Eli in such a way, but, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, all right, so we see how we do with quarterbacks. Um, as far as 
you know, going into the later rounds as you're, you know, we got quarterbacks or whatever. Are you trying to fill out your roster now? Are you going just, are are we all taking flyers here? Are we taking guys that we see with high upsides? Like, what are we doing here? Josh, you tell me first, start here. Um, What were you doing as a later round starter approaching? What were you, was there something specific you were looking for or were you letting it just come to you? How were you going at that point? Uh, Towards the later rounds, I went really RB heavy because I just feel like I was trying to take, a guy that I might want to take in that first waiver run, like a, a running back has a better chance of having an injury in front of him right. drastically increase his value. So my roster right now, I think I have maybe eight running backs. I'm not going to keep it that way through the season, but between now and the first waiver run, I want to have as many of those lottery tickets as I can roster. Yeah. You guys criticize me for my running backs. You didn't like how many I took. You didn't like who I took. You didn't like how many I took. You guys, I didn't like how many you took with who you took, because (laughs) if you're going to wait on running back, in my opinion, you really want to draft running backs in volume and you did it. (laughs) This guy. But but yeah, how many running backs did you draft again? Was it five? Six. Okay. You did draft six. I mean, that's not awful. (laughs) It's not awful. It's bad. No, no. I I thought you'd only drafted five. Yeah, but it's it's the running backs that I drafted, man. It's the ones. I mean, that, it's the ones that I drafted. If you want, if you want to list them, I mean, yeah, the I got, listeners can plug their ears. Yeah, so, Josh and I will listen. So Philip Lindsay, I know you guys aren't crazy about that. He's like my number one. Uh, Cohen is my second one, and I drafted. I'm not going to go in order here, but uh, Adrian Peterson, who I feel really good about. I don't know how you guys feel. But I feel really good about him. Jordan Probably Howard. Where you got him was a huge value. Yeah. yeah. Jordan Howard. You know, I've always been a fan. I'm not going to take stray off of that now. I know things have changed. The situation has changed, but I'm still a fan. Um, and then I got um, two Ravens, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. I feel like one of them had to make an impact, right? Especially if Wait, someone we, gets injured. We all drafted Justice Hill, didn't we? Yeah, we all did. We all did. Oh, that, that's, <laughs> that's a good sign. I had to one-up you guys, though. I was like, let me get Gus Edwards. They don't know what's about to hit him. Yeah, he's on the Gus bus. Yeah, still. I got on the Gus bus. I'm like, yeah, watch Justice Hill do nothing, and Gus does it all. So let me grab him and sneak. I didn't tell you guys or nothing. Take I didn't that want back. You- yeah, I didn't, I didn't want you guys to like think about it like, yeah, he's right, I should get Gus. And I'm like, nah, let's screw them over. So I'm going to get Gus and keep it a secret. So, yeah, so I got Gus, man. So I backed up Justice Hill just in case, you know, he doesn't do what I'm hoping he does. But, yeah, those are my running backs, man. Most people feel like they're shit. You've, but got, I just... you've got a couple of guys, Adrian Peterson and Jordan Howard, that will give you points out the gate. And then you've got other guys that can that can contribute and have a lot of upside. Yeah. Got two and with my wide receivers, I feel like it's not that big of a deal, man. <laughs> I, I mean, you may that. only want to be starting two running backs. But anyway. that's what I'm saying. Okay, look, look, look let me You'll just name definitely it. only want to be starting two running backs. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, listen to these wide receivers, and you tell me if that's really a problem, though, okay? So, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, Will Fuller, John Brown. Come on, man. Like, I mean... I got two more, yeah, but they don't that, matter. Jameson that's Crowder. That's zero RB is nice. Those, I mean, those first four are phenomenal. I think a lot of people are really sleeping on A.J. Green. I mean, I, he's been falling to, like, the fourth round in every type of draft. I mean, in, in my Scott Fishbowl League, he fell to the 409 wide receiver 17. And to me, I mean, he's he's such a lock there. Like, it's, it's just crazy. He has so much upside. I mean, he's probably the only guy going outside of the top six well now seven with Tyree Kill but at this time the top six who I could easily see being a top five wide receiver like AJ Green wouldn't surprise me if he was a top five wide receiver I don't 
I mean, for instance, I drafted T.Y. Hilton ahead of him. I don't think T.Y. Hilton has the same ceiling. I just feel much more confident in T.Y. Hilton being a top 12 wide receiver. I feel like A.J. Green could have the bottom fall out on him again. But, yeah, I mean, he has tremendous upside. So to be able to get him in the fourth, especially with the type of build that you had, with having someone like T.Y. right ahead of him, I think it's really, really nice. Yeah. Um, Being that tight end is kind of an important thing. I want to talk about our tight ends really quick. Josh, list off your tight ends for us. My tight ends are, uh, so I got Vance McDonald, and then the next tight end I took was Jimmy Graham, who, uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of ceiling, but he gets a lot of targets, and if that if that Green Bay offense is going to take off, I feel like they might be able to drag Jimmy Graham along with them, throw it to him in the end zone. And then in the very last round, I took uh, Johnny Smith. So if, if Delaney Walker is maybe not quite good to go for a whole season hopefully Johnny can do something what do you think about those tight ends adam i like johnny's upside i really like vance mcdonald uh he was somebody i was targeting in my league but just didn't really you know have a chance to get him at a position i wanted him um and uh yeah i mean I, tight end is tight end is going to be weird in this league because i think that there's going to be some giant disparity I think, like, I mean, like we saw in the scoring from last year, there's going to be a handful of tight ends that are right at the top, and, you know, their scoring is some of the top amongst all positional players, and then we're going to have a ton of tight ends that are kind of wallowing in the middle tiers. I think tight ends are going to present a really high floor, so being able to start them week to week with that, you know, full point PPR and that full point for for first down, I, I don't know. I mean, that feels like it's a nice high floor, but as far as tight end goes, I wasn't really paying attention to it after the first three because I just don't think they have much of a ceiling. So who would you go with? Let's see, your non-ceiling tight end. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, I felt like I waited too long, but I was really happy uh, with getting Trey Burton as the tight end 15 off the board. Uh, for somebody who finishes the tight end 7 last year, I feel like he's being completely overlooked, especially with it being the second year for Mitch Trubisky and also the second year for Matt Nagy to have that offense. I think that there's a lot of reason for that offense to take a step forward. Plus they didn't add anyone. So from a passing perspective, he should still be getting a pretty similar target share to what he received last year on what should project to be a progressing offense. So I actually felt really good about that. And then uh, I took Dallas Goddard as the tight end 20 off the board in the 12th which felt like really nice value. I feel like Goddard went a lot higher in some other leagues. I'm not the hugest Goddard fan because I do feel like without a Zacherts injury, he's not going to be really viable. Um, But like I kind of just said, I'm not really looking to start more than one tight end each week. It's not really something that I'm looking for personally unless it becomes like a fallback. So I don't really see myself starting Goddard except for, you know, if Burton's out or Burton by week or in situation where Ertz gets injured and then Goddard becomes this huge value. So, you know, that that was part of the reason I targeted him is just this gigantic upside on the off chance Ertz misses time. So Burton and Goddard, is that it? Or you got somebody else? I took one other. I can't even remember. <laughs> oh, I took Gerald Everett. Yeah. Okay. Who I That's think not bad. Is, you know, for, for a very late round, I took him in the 19th uh, to take him very late. He just presents, you know, upside just based on the offense. Yeah, I don't think Everett was a bad pick. I also don't think Josh's Jimmy Graham was that bad of a pick, man. Like, he's not horrible. I don't think Josh is, like, looking at him like, I got to start him every single week. He's just a little washed. He's just, you know, he's he's Jimmy Graham. 
but he's got he gets all the, he gets a lot of targets. I like Adams' tight ends. They all three have upside. Yeah, I, I went completely you know. nuts at tight end. Like I didn't, I just went crazy. Like I got Injuku. Like I was my guy. I wanted someone that I liked his upside. But after that, man, <laughs> yeah, crazy for me. I was like, I was always contemplating like every round. Like, am I really gonna start another tight end? Like, what if he doesn't do good? What if I need someone? But literally, like. For me, I forget what round I drafted him, but, like, Noah Fant just kept, like, falling and falling. And for, like, obvious reasons, he's a tight end. He's a rookie. But, like, at some point, like, he was the only name that, like, stood out to me for some reason. I don't know what it was. But I was just like, what if? Like, what if he is Gerald Everett rookie year? Or, you know, not Gerald Everett. <laughs> fucking um, Giants. Someone help me out here. Ingram? Ingram. Yeah, what if he's Ingram rookie season? You know, what if? Just what if? I couldn't help it. At some point, I just, like. I couldn't do anything about it. I took him. But then, like, towards the end of the, you know, draft when Adam was telling me, you know, where he probably would think running backs should go for me <laughs> since I was so uh, depleted uh, at running back, I still kept going tight end. So I ended up with um, Njoku, Fant, and then the other guys that I followed up with, I was throwing darts at the wall. I went with my boy Gronkowski just in case he comes back. I know all of you don't believe it's possible, but. There's a chance. There's a chance. I've always I was like this with Josh Gordon, and so I'm gonna be like this with Gronkowski now. And then I threw Charles Clay in there, Tyler Croft in there. Got my veteran tight ends just in case these other guys. Gronkowski doesn't return. Fant sucks like a rookie tight end does. Something happens to Njoku. I got these old wily vets. Which hey, you guys are big on the Cardinals offense. I don't know how you guys in on Charles Clay, man. You guys are denying that this is real. He's very, very old. So what, man? Didn't you hear his coach <laughs> talk about him? <laughs> his coach was like, I could be creative with him. He could run the ball. He can do this and that. It, Ricky Seals-Jones no. is the entrenched starter. Nope. Played nope. in an air raid offense in college. I'm not listening And to was this. recruited by Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not listening to this. <laughs> Let's move on from tight ends. Um, before we wrap this thing up, was there anything surprising – that like was fun to you guys like wow that's pretty awesome that that happened or like you know anything cool creative different in your drafts whether it's where somebody was drafted you know like the jj thing drafting a quarterback kind of early was pretty cool is there anything else like that that we noticed it doesn't have to be in your draft just an overall sfb was there anything that you guys noticed that was i mean in my draft the other thing besides jj was that uh we had the owner who waited the longest to draft a wide receiver uh Shane Swager over at uh, Dynasty Football Factory. He uh, went until the 11-12 turn to draft his first wide receiver and uh, got Anthony Miller, who actually I love there, so I'm not hating on that pick. Uh, and then Marquise Brown, uh, which I don't know, man. It was uh, it was interesting. He uh, he only drafted six wide receivers altogether. And... Uh, Two of those six were drafted in the 19th and 20th rounds. So, yeah, that was that was an interesting one. That'll be one that's going to be fun to watch, see how it turns out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, everybody was pretty, pretty status quo in our room. How about you, Josh? We had one owner that started out QB, QB, and I thought that was just wild. Oh, but dang. <laughs> what yeah, QBs? Then, uh, she got good ones. It was, I think she went Mahomes and Watson. I love that. I mean, those are the two. Yeah. If, if <laughs> yeah. you're going to go QB, QB, I guess, you know, uh, you know, Adam got the poor man's version. He got Baker and Kyler, but yeah, it's true. Right. <laughs> he got the poor man's version, but I like Mahomes Watson. I mean, that's going to be fun. It's similar to that Baker and Kyler situation. Like it's oh, going to yeah, be fun to watch. Sure. Where but did, then, uh, like, where did they were... go? 
Oh gosh, I I don't know. Don't so like one seven. Let me look. No, I can look. Um, the fastest analyst has to look, man. You can't be acting <laughs> lazy and slow right now. Uh, that's Neil's radio experience right there, killing for time. <laughs> well, yeah, his guy's leaving us with dead air like he does when he's out there running. Just dead air. 109, 109-204. Deshaun okay. Watson. I like it. I like. Being I mean, different. I don't mind it there at all because I feel like by the time you get to 109, you've got to be looking for some sort of an edge. I mean, it's not terrible. Her wide receivers are Adam Thielen, Godwin, Boyd. Her running backs are Mac, Lindsey, James White. Oh, wow. Hmm, Lindsey like trash, that. but besides that. I mean, yeah. He's a good scat back. But, uh, <laughs> Who did yeah. that draft? Brandon Marion Lee. Okay. Okay, I see you. I yeah, see she you. did a great job, man. She but... also took Noah Fant. Were you two guys in oh, each other's DMs? <laughs> can't answer that. I signed okay. non-disclosures. Uh, I'll leave it alone. Yeah, I signed non-disclosures, man. But, uh, all right, so we've seen there were some fun things out there. You know, I, I, I won't lie. Like, I was conscious of that as well, like drafting different, you know, just didn't want to have the same lineup as or like a similar build to someone in my league. Or, you know, if you get to the playoffs or you get to the top, you don't want to, you know, feel like you had the same roster as somebody else. So we'll see how that pans out. And and really quick before we, uh, you know, we, we're going to talk kill this SFB talk. We're going to go to some foul or no fouls to close this out. But before we go to the foul or no fouls, I know we've talked about it. We had the Clock Dodgers group chat. We talked about it on there. But Tyree Kill, he didn't get suspended. Everybody thought he would at least get four games, six games, something like that. There's people who traded him away. I know they feel a little salty. They, they, can, they can tell me they feel good about what they got. I don't care. Um, you lost, okay? And there's people who, like, Adam, you're in a lot of best balls. I haven't done any yet. But you said that. That has affected some things in major ways, right? Even SFB, right? Sometimes he fell, um, and some people are going to get crazy value wherever they got him at. Adam, just you first. What, how do you feel? You were mentioning the best ball situation. Like, can you break that down really quick? Yeah, I mean, essentially, the big one that's kind of gotten a lot of discussion on Twitter is the uh, draft best ball championship, which not only is the biggest best ball tournament ever, is the largest guaranteed prize pool for any fantasy tournament ever. Uh, the non-DFS. So it, it's pretty dramatic. Uh, I mean, it's got a $3.5 million prize pool, a million dollars to first place. Um, reason that that has gotten so much traction, obviously, is because of the giant prize pool. But in regards to the Tyreek Hill conversation is because during April, Tyreek Hill's ADP was in like the 10th round plus. So people were getting him in the 10th to 13th round sometimes. And... Now he's basically a first or second round pick. So you run into a situation where if you were going to draft Tyreek Hill, you should have done it already. Everyone who's drafting him in the first and second round now is gigantically handcuffing their team. And there's a lot of debate online if you should even be drafting in the best ball championship. It's funny you bring this up because I was literally in a conversation just before this with uh, Elliot Chris and uh, one other person. Uh, whose name is escaping me, CJ, I can't remember his last name, but literally on this exact topic, because there are some people who think that it doesn't matter, it's literally one player, and as long as you're not drafting Tyreek Hill as an inflated cost, it it just doesn't make any difference. Um, There are others, and I think I fall more into the latter category, where it's like the people who were able to get Tyreek Hill at a 10th round plus value essentially have 
just kind of like a, a leg up on everybody else if Tyreek does anything near what he did last year. Now, if Tyreek, you know, disappoints or gets injured or misses time for any reason whatsoever, then all this is a mute point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has brought a lot of conversation in the best ball format as far as these long-form tournaments where you're drafting over the whole summer. I mean, it really, as far as I'm concerned, the biggest takeaway I've had from things like this is that it's more like playing the stock market than anything. It's really being able to evaluate how ADPs are going to shift throughout the summer and buying it at their lowest possible point. And Tyreek is the ultimate example of that. Uh, I only bought one share at a 10 plus round value. So I don't feel great about it. Uh, I wish in hindsight that I had invested more, but I'm flabbergasted by him not getting suspended, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, he could be the equivalent for a lot of people. I mean, we've seen people win leagues off of a waiver wire move or, you know, this late-round sleeper that you grabbed and he just blew up. Like, we see people win off of, like, that, right? They draft well, obviously, and things go their way. But, like, that sometimes is the biggest, you know, deciding factor that differentiates them from everybody else is that late-season waiver move or that, you know, that guy that blew up that nobody's seen coming. And Tyreek, I feel like he's going to be that for a lot of people now, you know. Fortunately or unfortunately, I guess, however you look at it. But it's just so funny with the way the NFL suspends players, the way, you know, half the time we're like, we don't we don't even agree with it. And in this situation, I think everybody agree with it. <laughs> and like the NFL doesn't do it. And it's like just a weird thing. Josh, are you like surprised? Like, did it shock you that he wasn't suspended? Or you feel like, hey, this is like status yeah, quo? I feel NFL? like it's just star treatment. I, I think that's all it is. I, I think the whole like reason that we don't have set guidelines is because they don't want to have to apply them to their superstars. And I think that's what happened here. I mean, it makes no sense. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, who knows, man? We'll, we'll see how it plays out, you know, ultimately for everybody involved. And, you know, it's, it's one of those cases, man. We'll just see how it all plays out. All right. So that's it. Enough of Tyreek Hill, enough of SFB. We'll have plenty more conversations about all that. I'm sure as the season goes on, um, let's move on to foul or no foul. My favorite part of the show. Um, we'll do it this way. The first one, Adam will answer first, and Josh will go next, and then flip it. We have, like, four of them, so we'll just keep flipping back and forth who goes first. So you guys don't have to go, who goes first? Who goes first? Like, you're new to this shit. Okay? Who goes first? Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. You know, well, maybe we should let the fastest man in the West go first since Josh is so fast. Um, <laughs> number one, I'm going to keep saying that. Like, it's never going to stop. Uh, Wait, so who goes, who goes first on the first Josh one? Josh is going to go first. It was supposed to be you, but then he flipped I it. I flipped it because Josh is so fast. I feel like, how can he cool, beat you? that's not confusing at all. I, I didn't want him no. to like beat you no. to the question. You know, I love how you just set out <laughs> the order that it was going to go in, and then you're like, nah, but, you know, fuck that. Like, yeah. you're new to this or something. I don't know. This is how shit works, man. This is how shit goes here. You guys are used to this. All right. The first, okay, first of all, for anyone who's not familiar with foul or no foul, it can be confusing for some people. So foul or no foul, I throw a statement out there. If the person answering thinks that statement is true, they agree with it, there's no foul. There's no foul. Get it? There's no foul. They agree with it. If they think it's bullshit, they disagree with it, it's garbage, then there's a foul. Boop. Throw your little flag in the play. Five-yard penalty is a foul. They don't agree with it. All right. First one, Josh. New York Giants rookie quarterback Daniel Jones will finish the season as the starter. If you answer this as a no foul, what week does he start? It's a no foul, and he starts probably Don't say it. week four. <laughs> You're going to do that. He got drafted at 110. They get to play. What Are the Giants going to be a winning team? Are they going to be so 
so in the thick of contention that they cannot possibly sit Eli Manning down, they're going to be a losing team. They're going to put Daniel Jones in. Adam, please talk some sanity into this, man. <laughs> I, I wish I could. I, I mean, it's it's a no foul. Drew, Drew, Drew Locke's going to start. I think, though, Drew Locke. he... Yeah, oh, wow. Ooh, <laughs> look at that, Fab. Well, listen, no, this guy's throwing out stuff out here. I, I know, right? Oh, they're they're going to trade for Maybe Drew Locke's going to start, too, though. That's fair. That would I mean, screw both of us. That would be horrible. Nah, I don't – I actually – I don't think Drew Locke's going to start all year, so there's that. But uh, but nonetheless, yeah, I think Eli, though, is probably going to last actually until, like, the double-digit weeks. I think the Giants probably are able to squeak out three or four wins within the first, you know, eight, nine games – stay close enough to 500 that they are able to give an excuse to continuing on with this Eli show. And yeah, I just, they feel like a franchise that's not going to be like, you know, Baker Mayfield was in Cleveland where Tyrod started three games and then they're like, you know, got a glimpse of Baker. But even that took a a Tyrod injury and Baker was drafted first overall. So I don't think there's really this giant precedent that just because of where he was drafted that he's going to get in there right away. So, yeah, I think Eli starts at least 10 games. A giant Even precedent. if they're terrible, sorry, Neil. Right. Even if they're terrible, they could just make it the Eli farewell tour. They would do that. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Adam as far as, like, more likely starting the last four of the year rather than Josh starting after week four. Killing me, man. Killing me. And I was trying to mention – Adam's creativity there with a giant precedent. Oh, he's so crafty, you know, trying to give him his due, <laughs> trying to give him his due when it happens, and you fucking blocked it, Josh. All right, now for the if you guys are confused, Adam's gonna go first. All right, so for the second one, LSU showed off its fancy new twenty-eight million dollar private donation built locker room, and that's totally fair for the rest of the school. Foul or no foul, Adam? I mean, <laughs> I'm going to say no foul because you said it sarcastically. <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Guys want to get no, paid to play that, sports? That's like a double negative to say that comment sarcastically. I'm just asking. No I'm foul. just asking. No. They, they obviously mean, all, think it's fair, so I'm asking you if you think it's fair. I mean, it'd be great if they took that money and just gave it directly to the players, but, you know, we can't have that now, can we? Mm-hmm. We can't. So you say that's what I was gonna say, man. That, that's ridiculous. <laughs> if they, if I'm looking at pictures of it now, and if they showed me this, I'd be like, and you can't afford to. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like, they got TV screens on TV screens on TV screens, and we can't pay athletes. Yeah, I think Eric Reed agrees with you guys. Former LSU player, right? He said the locker room when I was at LSU seven years ago was better than the current one I have in Carolina. But there's no money to compensate these young men for the revenue they bring into the school. Hashtag just saying. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like when this happened, like when this video got released, like students from the school were like releasing pictures of the library and like it's flooded out and stuff. And it's like, ah, man. Like, but you know, the school was like, hey, these are private donations. They're for the football team. Like, I don't know, man. It's a lot of weird shit in, in college. <laughs> but it looks like we all agree. We all agree here with Eric Reed, you, Josh, Adam. Even though Josh said it way more, you know, way, way more passion. Adam was like, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm, like, supposed to say this. Like, he was, like, in a moral conflict. And Josh was like, this sucks. Sorry, man. My cue cards were a little difficult to Yeah, read. yeah. I didn't like that. That's why we're going to let Josh go first <laughs> again. See? All right. The third one. 
Melvin Gordon will sit out the entire 2019 season. Foul or no foul, Josh? Foul. I, I honestly think he's playing. I just don't get that vibe from him. I just don't think that he's like Le'Veon Bell. I, not that there's anything wrong with being that. It would make. I mean, you made it sound like sense. there was a problem with being that, but go ahead. it would make perfect sense for him to sit out. But I just something about him makes me think that he's more like he buys into the team stuff and he's he's gonna show up and play. I believe the Chargers I, said they won't cave, so you're expecting Melvin to cave. Yeah, All I right. expect him to cave and play. Adam, I do. I'm actually gonna say no foul. I, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna do it. I really like I don't think he should. I didn't think Le'Veon should, but uh I think that there's a lot of things that go into it. Um I definitely think that there's this element of these elite running backs that aren't getting paid kind of realizing that they have to be a figurehead for all running backs, or at least taking on that responsibility to be a figurehead for all running backs. I think there's definitely an element of that to it. Um, but even just from things he said publicly when Le'Veon um, did the same thing last year, I mean, he verbally was in support of it, you know, said he would do the same thing if he was in Le'Veon's situation. So then for him to do it now, I don't know, man. I, I think that there's real risk of him actually holding out. And I, uh, I initially started, like, Everything for me is from a best ball perspective because I'm just drafting a ton of best ball. But with that in mind, I initially started when I saw him dropping to like the mid and late second round, just buying him like crazy because it's a huge value from the mid first to, you know, late first that he was going in before. Now, though, I'm, I'm really starting to worry about it because, I mean, ultimately the risk is not just, you know, a player like like take a you know Damian Williams for instance who you're also drafting in like the late second round Damian Williams could totally flame out but he you know he has that potential to also just kind of be an okay asset or to get like some snaps but not get all the starter snaps or whatever it may be but the risk with Melvin Gordon is literally he doesn't get you a single point all season and that's a dramatic amount of risk baked in that I think is kind of hard to overlook. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't take the risks that high, man. That's like jumping out of a plane, like skydiving. I'm like, okay, I can either die or like have a good time, I guess. But like, since that die thing is there, I'm yeah. like, not gonna do it. So it's like... one of those things where, like, <laughs> what's the upside? I mean, yeah. ultimately, when you can draft someone like Mixon or Dalvin Cook or Le'Veon Bell or Nick Chubb, or I mean, even you know Damian Williams or Marlon Mack or Aaron Jones, Josh or somebody. Jacobs. <clears throat> How'd that name get in there? I have no idea. <laughs> no, but like any of those guys who are going at a similar ADP, they could all be Melvin Gordon and Melvin Gordon could easily be them. So it's not like, you know, he's this lock top five guy. He's a more likely top five guy than those other guys. I mean, that's why he was being drafted where he was. But I just feel like even if he plays, there's that chance that he's not a lead again this year so the last thing i want to do is risk zero points for a guy who doesn't really have that lock potential or that lock feeling to me that's fair that's fair josh disagrees wholeheartedly we'll see no i don't disagree i'm not drafting i no. listen i don't think he's gonna hold out all right but 
I don't want to take that risk in the second either. <laughs> I guess that's, yeah, riding the fence is what that's called. It's not a flip-flop. I'd like to have this cake and eat it as well, please. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. This guy is unbelievable. All right, the last one. The last one. Baker, Beckham, Landry, Chubb, greater than Murray, Fitz, Kirk, and DJ this upcoming season. Fowler or no Fowler? You, you got to say that again. <laughs> basically, it's the Browns. Basically, it's, it's the Browns or the Cardinals. Are we talking fantasy points? Yeah, fantasy. Oh, this, come this is super interesting. So, we got, so the statement is Baker, Beckham, Landry, and Chubb, all the Browns, starting quarterback, two wide receivers, and a running back, is greater than Murray, Fitz, Kirk, and DJ. It's cards. It's cards easy. So it is foul. cards. So foul. Like, okay, so Nick Chubb, as much as he might be a fantastic runner, he does not have the profile of being a top five running back like David Johnson does. He does not have that that pass catching ability. There's no evidence of it, really. Do you okay. feel like people are too high on him, or do you feel like they got him right now pro- appropriately placed? No, I, I, I think that he needs to be – down a little bit people are too too high on him all right you gotta have that that dual threat to be up up any higher than where he is and i don't so so anyways david johnson way way over nick chubb uh kyler and baker could be close but i think kyler is going to give you more more rushing baker definitely has better weapons i mean obj is the best receiver so you got to give the Browns that, but then what? What is Landry? I think Landry might be a wide receiver three. I think the Cardinals are going to have two wide receiver twos with wide receiver one upside. I, I it's the Cardinals. Should have disrespecting Landry. Should have disrespecting him. Why he's just he... he's not going to get even if he gets twenty percent of targets. Twenty percent of targets with his efficiency is not going to get it done. I hear you. I hear you. You guys are both Cardinals fans. I had to throw this out there just to see what would happen. So I know you kind of like some of the guys on each side. But your Cardinal fandom outweighed it. I couldn't beat it. I'll be devil advocate and just take the other side just to piss you guys off and be right like I always am. Oh, I mean, it's a super good question because, I mean, I, I think that, well, I mean, obviously from having drafted Baker and Kyler, I am a big fan of both if the, offenses. If this was a Twitter poll, what do you think the percentages would be? Oof! I think it would be Browns like yeah. sixty, but really? it'd be it'd, be, it'd wow. be pretty close. It might even be like fifty-four. Like it, it could be it could be really close. I I, I actually like that. You should uh, you should pull that and throw that up there because that uh, that's a really good question. I should see if they agree or disagree with you fools. See what they if do. If you throw in Njoku over that bum Charles Clay, that might <laughs> bump it up a little bit. I should have did that. I didn't even think about it. I would have made it even tougher. You guys still would have went cards, though, because you guys are just lame. No, I think that definitely would have swayed it. Oh, really? (laughs) Then I'm going to go this way. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to put the Twitter poll up like this. All right, I'm going to put the Twitter poll up like this. I'll put the Twitter poll up like this. It gives it a little more controversy. All right, so we're finished here, guys. We covered SFB. We covered Tyreek Hill being back. We covered Fowler No Fouls. We covered that Josh is fast as shit and writes articles a lot. We covered that Adam hates people playing out music on the train. Or bus, bus on the bus. 
I What's mean, the it's difference? It's the train, too. Is the train better the train, than the bus? It was the train saying? the first time I was complaining about oh, okay. it to you guys. Okay, so yeah, I wasn't wrong then. I knew I was right. You tried to play me in the beginning of the intro? What the hell, man? Well, no, today was the bus, though. Josh, man. he played Come me, on, right? Keep up with my public transit. He played me, Josh. He did not talk about the bus today. He didn't complain about the bus. Yeah, hey, we we got it at the beginning. He touched on it. I yeah. think we get the idea. Yeah, we get the idea. I, I, there's no shame, man. I, I would be so embarrassed to play even like a normal <laughs> podcast on a bus. You wouldn't be ashamed to play this podcast, would you? I, any podcast. I just wouldn't. People, I wouldn't do it. I would be embarrassed. I think you would, Josh. I think you would play and be like, hey, does that voice sound familiar <laughs> right now? Do you guys think that voice sounds familiar? Because it's me. That's right. I think that's what you would do. I see you doing it. I couldn't do it. I see I couldn't you doing do it. it. I don't believe you. Adam, do you believe him? Never. Never. He's not humble like that, right? This guy is so arrogant. Ask him to see his trophy Twitter. You guys will see a bunch of trophies and plaques and fucking... That's right. They're amazing. <laughs> all right, guys. That's it. Do you guys have anything you want to say to end this thing? Anything at all? Did we not cover something? Do you want to get something off your chest? Do you feel like the world needs to know something? Keep dodging. I guess that's it. You guys were just fucking dead quiet. That's for sure. Appreciate you, you guys for being. Going first. You guys are great co-hosts. You guys are awesome to work with. Let me tell you. You guys bring the heat. These guys. I got are... the outro down perfectly. You did, but you forgot. Be kind. Be great. Keep dodging. And that's where we cut be it off. Mean, no, 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 no. That's where we cut it off. So Adam always tries. You to dodge. Adam always <laughs> tries. You always try to get the last word. I mean, you can cut the podcast whenever you want. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of this thing. I can cut this shit whenever the fuck I want. And you act like I can't. You always jump in. I know, it's fun. You always jump in. It's like a thing we have. It's called a report. This guy here. <laughs> it's called being obnoxious. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.